0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Real Women Real Estate Podcast episode 32.
1: Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, all right, all right. So guys, we got a super awesome episode today. I know everyone's going to enjoy it. But before we get started, I just have a quick quote for you. And the quote of today is inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. And that's by Dale Carnegie. Just like a little joke. Yes, let's get busy. So today, guys, we have a super special guest. This lady is dynamic, okay? She is going to bring a lot of wisdom. Uh, Her name is Miss Nichelle Booker. She's a real estate consultant and founder of the Booker Consulting Group. Uh, she is a Detroit-based real estate consultant and has 10 years of experience as a real estate agent and 12 years as a property manager. She received her Master's of Arts degree in organizational leadership at Spring Arbor University in Michigan and at the same time underwent training at a real estate institution to obtain a real estate license. In addition to helping new landlords maximize profit and protect their property, Michelle is also a housing management professional with experience in multifamily housing, LITECH Section Thirty Six, RAP Project-Based Section 8 Housing and Housing Choice Vouchers, and is an NNA certified signing agent. So this is certified,
1: okay? So welcome to Real Women Real Estate, Michelle. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: I love all the letters behind your name.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to jump. We, we know that you have a passion for landlords or helping landlords, but can you tell us how Booker Consulting Group came to, to form and, and what gave you a passion for helping
2: landlords? So I was one of those kids that came out of undergrad. And couldn't find a job. Was it just me? <laughs> no, all of us. A lot of us had that experience. And so, my father had been selling real estate and um, self-managing, you know, his own units for years. And so he was like, "You know what? You should probably get your real estate license." And I said, "What?" But and and it, it had never dawned on me because since I turned 18, I had been signing leases for them. So um, you know, it just didn't dawn on me. Oh, you have to get licensed. <laughs> so eventually, yep, I did. I didn't do it right away, but I did get licensed. Um, and honestly, selling real estate is not my jam. It's not. Uh, property management is my jam. <laughs> so I, that was my niche, and la- I realized that landlording was it. And how Booker Consulting Group came about was because my father was still self-managing. Um, my brother and I were still working with him. And there were certain instances where he wouldn't take the advice that I gave him. And one of those instances cost him a lot of money on legal fees. Come
0: on, man. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You it, gotta you listen know, when wisdom is coming. You know, you so know. So but... can you dive a little bit more into that? like? what if as much as you can talk about it like what happened what was the situation where he didn't take your advice and end up costing him money?
2: Lead-based paint you know a simple sheet of paper known as the lead-based paint disclosure
1: (laughs) which I had given to him you know and said attached this to the lease it's crucial. It's crucial it is it's dangerous it's crucial and it's so hazardous it's such it's expensive to get to remove it to get it out of there. What, what happened? Like, why did he not want to remove it? Like, what were the, what were the details? Well, the, it w- it was there was a claim, you know. It wasn't
2: founded, but there was a claim. Right. You know, and you have to spend a lot of money, you know, to, to clear your unit and to clear your name. Right. Absolutely. You know, when, Absolutely. You know, when, when one sh- simple sheet of
1: paper that you had would in take, possession. Yeah. <laughs> would, take <care laughs> would, would take care of he, all of that. Would take care of all of that. You mentioned one other thing you just, you know, kind of talked about your jam. Uh, What was it about, you know, doing or being a landlord that you discovered that, hey, this is this is my passion?
2: There's two things, actually, because being a landlord allows you to be hands on. You get to know what's happening in something that you own. You know, oftentimes the head doesn't always know what's going on at the bottom when you're a landlord you need to know what's going on from the bottom to the top. And the second thing which why what really draws me to it is that it's simple. There are instances where it can be a headache, but it can be simplified and you can have a positive cash flow. <laughs> you it, you have to keep things simple. As long as you have systems systems in place, it can be so simple and it 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 can work.
1: So want to get into that, you know, and get into why this is simple because so many people don't, the reason that they don't want to do a, a rent um, or buy and hold is because they don't want to be a landlord. That's just it. You know, I don't yep. want to be a landlord. You know, what are some of the common pitfalls, you know, that investors run into when they're they're doing their rental portfolio, when they're doing this buy and hold that uh, that Kimberly is anxiously waiting to get into? Not researching. Hmm. What do you mean not researching? Not researching like what?
2: You know, oftentimes we have these investors and they'll go buy sight unseen and then once they get there or they send the contractor out and the cost to rehab may, may be twice whatever the budget they had set aside for it. Or you did see what it looked like prior to purchase and then you got carried away with the rehab and now you're over budget. So I see that as two you know, of the major um, pitfalls that I've noticed. Another major pitfall that I've noticed consistently One is if you want that occupied unit to be vacated, you don't get it under the contract. You don't, it's not put into the contract. Like you want this tenant out before you take possession. Or if you're going to keep the occupant, what I've noticed is that they don't get any information from the seller. They haven't done the research. Where's the lease? Do they have a lease? Did they pay a security deposit? Like there's not enough research being done, you know, before... You're, you're finalizing
0: and a lot of times with like you said with the with the tenants they may even say they're moving out we we've had this happen with foreclosures you you may mm-hmm. say they're moving out and then they don't move
2: and they don't
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so then you have to fight getting them out the house exactly
1: and you're right the sellers and you know you'll have like appraisers coming in on on, those, uh, on the tenants, yep. and they're all like wondering, "Hey, what's happening? Are they selling? What are they doing?" No one's exactly. are the last to find out, and a lot of times they're they are pretty anxious about it as well. So um, speaking of tenants, you know what are some of the minimum requirements of choosing of choosing a tenant, like um, you know income to rate ratio? What are some of those basic requirements?
2: Whatever your requirements are, they should be the same for everyone. <laughs> Let's just just put that out there. The minimum, they need to provide identification and because you'll, you'll oftentimes get, or what I've seen is Mary Jane will come rent, you know, the flat for Jane Bob. They're not who they say they are when they're coming in. So you need to get identification and you need to set requirements as far as income. And it's usually between two and a half to three times, whatever you're asking rent is. And the next major thing is, after you've done that, is determine that, is you need to get a landlord reference. You know, what's their history like? And the last thing I think is important is background check. You know, it depends on where you are. You could do credit checks, but I believe that background checks are far more important than credit checks because you can not have any credit at all. But if you have the right income and a stable job, you're potentially a great tenant. You just don't have the credit history to show that yet. So um, those are some important things that, you know, you should look for initially. It's so so funny that you mentioned like the background check
0: pieces, because especially if if someone is getting into managing affordable housing, that has its own set of requirements. And like you have to do like a criminal background check and it has to be shown or else you run the risk of not getting your money from the government, which is exactly. the entire point of doing affordable housing. So, exactly. Um, that's a great point. When it comes to self-managing, how do you, I'm going kind of off script here <laughs> too, but uh, when it comes to self-managing, how involved are you with helping landlords get through that process of screening a tenant, choosing a tenant, like the service that you provide, like where, where do you come in on that process?
2: Before they get to that part? There are oftentimes people are new to real estate. You know, sometimes you may not go out looking for an investment property. It may just be handed to you and you have no idea what to do. Stop! So what happens is you need somebody to help you map that process out or else you're going to spend all your time on Google. The Google landlord. (laughs) You know, and those are the ones that have the most problems because they don't take the time to learn their state or local laws or even fair housing laws for that matter. So, you know, the process is, what is that you need? What stage of landlording are you in? If you're in the beginning stage, we give you those beginning steps. This is what you need to get your unit ready, part one. Part two is this is what you need to get a tenant in your unit. And so that's what the process looks like. It depends on the, whatever stage of landlording that you're in.
0: So is tenant proofing different
2: in COVID? You know, somebody else, it shouldn't be, Mm -hmm. you know, it shouldn't be, but I've, I've, I read an article and I don't remember where one day early last week of people asking for things that they hadn't previously asked for. Mm -hmm. And unless you're continuing this on a regular long-term basis, like forever, you shouldn't be changing that
1: what what were they
0: now asking that they weren't asking before six months run up front
2: oh instead of your normal first month in security who has six
0: months
1: right if, if oh, that's the case i might not that. be moving
2: right.
0: there are laws
1: to protect the the tenant from that because there's laws in california you can't there's laws here
2: there's laws here in michigan for that but again you have landlords out here that are just landlording and they they don't take the time to learn their um, their state and or local laws. That's very true. Yeah. And you know what else I noticed? Just kind of to piggyback
0: off that, I think that a lot of people are afraid to get the right information. Like like you said, they're just kind of like free-balling. So when it comes to do something like that, like they might have seen like on a forum, like, oh yeah, you should just ask for six months of a friend. Like you ain't checked no laws make sure that was even legal you just
2: doing something yeah it it makes no sense um and because the information is available but it is time consuming and then too i mean to play devil's advocate i understand like you want to make sure you're not losing
0: money as being a landlord but I mean, and I guess that's what made, you know, something like COVID has made it even harder because you don't have that security unless you're doing affordable housing. You don't have that security that you're going to get your money every month and you're going to be able to make your mortgage payment as a landlord. So with the moratorium, like the foreclosure, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can't, they're saying for some people, they're not foreclosing on properties, but then on the back end, they're saying that you can't evict tenants. So it's kind of like everything is in a turbulent space. What do you feel is going to be the impact of all of these changes on the housing market and landlords in particular?
2: You know, landlords in particular, I've been, ever since the moratorium hit, I've been trying to read and read and read. And I'm like, what protection are you offering the landlords? And the only thing that I've seen, and I'm not sure if it's protection, but it's, it could prove helpful if you have a mortgage there's what it's called a partial claim or loan modification where they're putting payments on the back end
1: yeah that forbans period if you have a a mortgage then you can you can do that if you have a tenant that's just not paying that's a good point if but but
2: it's only for a certain number of months i believe it's based upon your uh lender but i have not been able to find any other concrete protection for those landlords out there that you know are hoping and crossing their fingers and their eyes come the first, is the tenant going to be able to pay me this month? And if they don't, what's going to happen? I can't evict them. So, you know, there's protection for the tenants. But right now, and maybe I've missed it, but I have not seen any concrete protection going past December 31st for the landlords that are out there. That's Because there are some that have not gotten any rent since May or June. So how do you, how do you mitigate that? Like, what's your advice to landlords to kind of navigate
0: that? Like we've gone through the, the slowdown, like you still got this property, you're not getting rents. Like what's your advice to landlords who may be in that situation?
2: Under normal, st- normal circumstances, I always have landlords have a hard line on accepting partial payments, like just don't do it is either all or nothing. But during this time, that's the best suggestion is to take a partial payment and set up a written arrangement for the balance. They may not be able to pay the full thousand dollars, you know, because of everything that's going on on earth right now. But let's say they can come up with 700. Take it. You have to sit down with that tenant. You have to come up with a written repayment agreement or a delayed
1: payment agreement, whatever you want to title it, and go from there. Do you recommend like a cash for keys situation to try to get them out and just kind of pay for it to get them out so you can get somebody else in? Uh, I've, always been, approach- I've, I've, I've always been
2: against that. I know in certain areas it's common, but right now, you know, it's a plausible option because you may you may be able to get them out and you may be able to re-rent with a tenant that can pay or it'll sit D- depending yeah, on where you are. It's an option. Yeah. Right.
1: Why do you why do you go against it? Like why does that come in that you go against Because they probably because they probably already owe you money.
2: <laughs> and now
0: yeah, that's a great point. <laughs>
2: and, <laughs> and 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 then you're you're giving them money, you know, it's Yeah, that's something that I came across probably my very first real job as a landlord. That's the very first thing I encountered, you know, they cash for keys, $2,000. I was flabbergasted. I said, that's how that works, you know, (laughs) but you just, you you needed that unit back.
0: Right. I was going to say, you don't think maybe they're cutting the losses because if they're already down, if I keep this person there... You know, versus just getting the money to get out, with that not, you're cutting your you're cutting your losses at that point.
2: Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. They were cutting their losses. I just, I just could not understand it. And I'm thinking like, that's an awful lot of money to give someone, but it was just a matter of of that family not wanting to go. <laughs> you know, they had dug their heels in. They had been there for a very long time and that was their home
0: yeah so i'm assuming this is pre-covid so this, yeah
2: wait this yeah this was like i pre-COVID. said my first real wait, like 10 12 years ago my very first you know so it's not that like bleeding
0: heart like oh there's a pandemic going on you just no know you
2: and that's why i've always been against the cash for keys because i that, that was the first thing i saw and i said
1: I don't give her that much money <laughs> Well, that's where a landlord comes in, at right, because you don't have to make those hard decisions, right? Exactly. You know, exactly. you don't you don't have to like do that on your own and have those tough, exactly. those tough, those tough questions and, and conversations and things like that. So, why do you think um, most people don't choose to have a landlord or want to do a property manager to have some money manage that? Is it the money? I feel like the obvious thing is the money, right? Yeah, the, yeah that's the obvious thing is the money and.
2: The other <laughs> it could it could, could be is that you always don't know what to look for or what to expect from that landlord or
1: from that property manager.
2: So you that's you're just a great like, lead
1: yeah. not interrupt you. That's a great lead on. Like what should I expect from my property manager for hiring them? What should I expect? What's my qualifying?
2: It depends on where you're located. You need to know there are several things that you need to know. You need to know if they're responsible for leasing. You need to know if they're responsible for maintenance and you need to know if the big thing is, is if they're responsible for rent. And I mean, as far as say, I don't get my rent, who's going to file for me? Because oftentimes that's one of the things that's left out of the agreements or the contract. You know, I didn't get my direct deposit this month and you call the landlord or the property manager and say, well, where's my direct deposit? Oh, unit A didn't get rent this month. Well, today is the is today the sixteenth? Today is the sixteenth. Did you file yet? Oh no. Well, whose responsibility? So that's one of the big ticket items is that's often missed in the agreement um between the two. But I think those three things are the most important things that you have to decide when choosing the right property manager. Cause then you have everything colored.
0: Benefits though. So me as a landlord i didn't have a property manager which is probably why i'm also against buying holdings <laughs> but <laughs> to a certain extent but what would you say are some major benefits of it
2: depending on how many doors you have like i mean more than a handful of doors right you and and, and if you have the don't have the time mm-hmm. um you know a property management or a property manager is useful for two main reasons. One, because you'll get those strange calls. My light is out. Did you change the light bulb? <sighs> you know, when you're first starting out, most most real estate investors, you know, they're working somewhere full time, you know? And if you, you don't always have the time to deal with, you know, that type of issue.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so that to me, <laughs> And not that you want to, but, you know, to me, that's one of the most important um, things is that you have someone else to field some of those what I call lightweight calls. You know, the roof didn't cave in, the house isn't on fire, the basement isn't backed up. You know, you just need a light bulb. You know, you may need to plunge out your toilet or flip the switch on the garbage disposal, right? So having someone else outside of that to take care of that for you it's helpful and then there's also the paperwork issue everybody isn't organized I've seen quite a few people that don't even have a lease mm.
0: they just live in there just they definitely. just live in there you know I don't know about that life
1: That's <laughs> That's right, right. You know? but That's why you have systems, like the systems that you were talking about earlier, though. You know what I mean? So that if somebody didn't want to be a landlord, there's, I mean, you tell me, right? There's all these kind of apps and stuff out now that I'm hearing. There's, you know, payroll systems and things that you can come up. I'm not talking QuickBooks. I'm talking simplified things that you can just do from your your iPhone, right? So are are these things beneficial? Do you use them personally and say, hey, you, you should use this, but use this with me you know is that how that works like what's your recommendation on that on these systems
2: it, it you know it depends again that depends on your doors and also your comfort level with technology you know most people do everything from their phones and then you have some people that like to spread out all the paper all over the place and look at it but for me it give me all the digital give me all the technology and that's what I'm going to recommend for you I'm kind
0: of I'm laughing right now because Kim and I come from that that real estate system technology world and people would get so excited about all the bells and whistles that the system would do. And then once they sign the, <laughs> the paperwork, they call it like, now, how do I do
2: this?
1: What do I do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you can you please show me how? We like, damn, you got to talk to another team for that. <laughs> so, But you're absolutely right. Like, that's a great point. I want to shift just a little bit. And going back to some of your experience with affordable housing, like low income housing tax credit and the housing choice faster in Section 8, Section 8 is is something that gets thrown around a lot when it comes to having a rental portfolio. What is your advice for someone who, let's say, they're comfortable with self-managing and they're considering foraying into Section 8 housing? What What is your advice for someone in that space? So you don't have any qualms whatsoever about Section Eight? No, no I,
2: I, no, I am, I am a certified Housing Choice Voucher specialist, and <laughs> you people don't that don't want to accept the Section Eight voucher have heard the horror stories and. The same horror story is repeated over and over again, but they leave out the stories of the family that's been in your unit for six years, you know, or the family that has a disabled child and they ask you for an accommodation to build a wheelchair ramp and you say yes. But guess what? You didn't have to pay for it. They found an outside source to do it for them. All you had to do was agree to let them do it. And guess what? You've got a tenant for the next two to three years. They're not going anywhere. They need that wheelchair rent. So yes, I am a advocate of the housing choice voucher program. Get you a tenant that has one. And you know what? It's the problem also is, is that landlords often don't understand the program, right? That's a you
1: great
2: know, point. And, and that's what it is. And there, if you find a tenant with one, call their agency they have a briefing that, that where you can go and get all the information you need so you can effectively participate in the program so
0: yeah i would if i was a buy and hold person <laughs> <laughs> i would hands down I, I mean i see nothing because like you said you're talking about horror stores, but there's horror stores with anything to do with real estate anyway so today exactly there's gonna be, there's a horror story for everything. There's a horror story for flips, there's a horror story for buying hoes, there's a horror story for um, owner finance, there's a horror story for every facet of real estate, right? So at the end of the day, you just gotta pick your battles. And for me, thinking about it being COVID right now, if I was a, if I was a landlord, I would want to have some Section 8 right now because I would not be concerned about whether my, my rent's coming in or not because it's being paid by the government you know, if they have some money that's over that, then yes, that might be the concern, but at least, you know, the bulk of your money is going to be coming in that voucher. Right. And and you know, that's another misconception.
2: Yeah. It's recession proof. Yep. It's, it's, that's another misconception, but it's a two part process. There's sometimes the, you know, the government will pay the entire asking rent, but sometimes times the tenant has a portion. It's your responsibility to collect that portion from the tenant. Right. You know, but if if things are happening as they are right now and they continue, it's the tenant's responsibility to tell their agency, hey, I have a change in income. Can you lower my rent so my landlord can get the full portion from you?
0: Right. That's a great point. You know, it, uh, it's funny. I, I'm just thinking, Kim, about that. Those houses we came across right when COVID was hitting and they were accepting rent so much lower than what Section 8 offered in that area. And we were just kind of like, why you're le you're literally leaving money on the table because just because you don't want to deal with section eight like hello dumb 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 i don't listen, know Listen, i
2: i couldn't he- convince my own father to accept section eight vouchers
0: listen my grandpa is trying to get his tenant on section eight <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> because he wants to increase rent so he like, how do i get her on Section? And we're like Papa's not the house. It's the person. Like, you it's can't make her get on Section 8. He's like, love it. you know, he's talking to us. He's like, yeah, I need to get her on Section 8. I was like, that's not how this works. <laughs> but that's the thing. You know, when he hears the benefits, he's all for it. And he's like, oh, well, how do I get put her out to put somebody
2: <laughs> I love it.
0: He doesn't understand it, you know? He's like... No, you can't just put her out. <laughs> but, he wants yeah. that for short money. Yeah, he exactly. Wants that for money. He's the first
2: know. of every month.
0: They never understood. It's again, like you said, it goes back to understanding and I feel like a lot of people do not. Now I do understand that. I just have my qualms about my own thing with buying homes, but (laughs) (laughs) I definitely understand and am pro section eight because not only does it give a family an, an opportunity to have a property, you know, live in a house, but it also is guaranteed money for you. So why would you not do it? You're gonna have to fix a house when you know people move out anyway. You can have someone that brings a dog that said they weren't gonna have a dog and pee on your wooden floors because I had that happen. You mm. know, so you and, and they weren't on Section Eight; these are just regular renters. And or I or spill you
2: know, red Kool Aid on the wood floors and don't get it up.
0: Right, you're not cleaning up, so that could just come from anything. That doesn't necessarily mean it was. Shout the-
1: out to the red Kool-Aid. <laughs> Shout, out. Red Kool-Aid. <laughs> Shout out to Shout to out to red. Shout out to the Kool-Aid, real quick. <laughs>
0: but yes, yeah, totally agree with you. It's it's more so about the and knowledge. People yep,
1: people don't want to do they, paperwork. People, you know, like, and I don't they, say more And lazy, they they, they don't want to deal with the inspection. yeah. yeah there's that part too. I you do want have to my go house a few more.
0: You want your? I would want my properties up to the park you should. There's, you there's no I reason for it not to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know? would take FHA and deal with the the things, or a VA. It's the same thing. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. And I mean, I will say there was, you know, we did go through some things last year and the year before with HUD and some of their changes. But I've been in plenty of meetings. They're trying to make it better, and they're trying to to make it easier for landlords so that, you know, that housing, that affordable housing can continue to be provided because a lot of people just think, Oh, affordable housing, that's something the government's going to take care of. But no, if you're buying back the block, if you're out here being an active real estate investor, like you can play a part in that as well. So.
2: Yeah. There, 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 there are times when HUD is looking for, um, information from, real estate investors, especially those that are in uh, what the media calls depressed areas. Mm -hmm. You know, they want you to buy up the block rehab it and then put tenants in it.
0: So moving on to that as well, because that's a great leeway into my favorite question. (laughs) What does your personal investment property uh, portfolio look like? And what are your investment goals if you have any? (laughs)
2: No, I don't have any. My father is currently offloading. Okay. Well, We're moving in a different direction right now. We remod the last home. It was finished in January, I believe. That's the last one. And that's the only one we're holding on to. And the others are there. They're slowly being offloaded. But my own personal portfolio, it's it'll be in the works mid-2021.
0: So you're not tapping out. You just, you offloading your dad, but you're you're going to pick up from where he leaves off.
2: Yeah, it's it's just, we're, we're like I said, we're working on other projects and the area that they're in, we get not in. <laughs> in Detroit?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I hear mixed things. Like some people are like, like, oh, we got this great deal. It's like this $200,000. There are great <laughs> deals. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but, but where and specifically where you're talking about, you're like, nah, we good. We're getting out of it. We we've gotten everything that we can get out of it. Mm. It has served well. Now it's, it's time to move on. <laughs> and we are, we're we're not picking back anything else up until 2021.
0: We come across a lot. just like as investors reaching out to people trying to you know sell their home. We come across a lot of people who are liquidating their portfolio. A lot of landlords who have like, and I think Portia, like one of our our previous guests, posted this past week. Like, she came across a guy who left like ten houses to his his kids, and like they are. Uh, it was a it was a hundred and ten doors. A hundred and ten oh. doors.
2: Plus and my yeah. pearls. But they didn't
0: do it right. So, like, they ended up... A lot of them had tax liens on them and stuff like that. Like, they got foreclosed on. And stuff. Mm, it
2: really, okay. Yeah. A mess.
0: So, I guess my question is, is, like, what's the appropriate way to... Like, if you, as a landlord, are deciding that you want to liquidate your portfolio, what's the best way to go about it? Like, what do you recommend?
2: I've seen... Um... Most recently, actually, I've seen something that you just mentioned, but it actually worked out well. Um, I had a client, and he he passed away, and his there were seventeen doors, and his son said, "This is, I don't want to be a landlord. This is not what I do. I want to let them all go." You know what he did was he didn't do it all at once. He did a couple at a time because he had to make sure all of his father's paperwork was in order. Right. And there was there was only a problem with one of them. So him taking that time to make sure everything was in order it saved him a headache in the long run. And he only had that that I'm aware of. He only had that one problem that he had to resolve before he could let it go and get what he needed out of it. Right. So he didn't he didn't offload all seventeen to a wholesaler. Yeah, he, yeah.
0: he, did, I mean, he did. He He did. A wholesaler. I would love that. Like that's a jackpot if I come across somebody with a seventeen. Exactly. Unit and portfolio. they were all in the they same wanna... area.
2: They were all in the yeah. same area. But he he took the time because he lived in another state, so he wasn't on top of everything that um, his father had going on with his properties. So, he took that time. He wasn't in a hurry with it. Yeah, It took him a it, few months. Yeah. But he offloaded all of them. Every last one of them. It wasn't a cash grab for him. No.
1: Yeah.
2: Nope. He just didn't want to... He did not want to be a landlord under any circumstances.
1: So what's the market like in uh, Detroit?
2: You know what? It's hot. <laughs> it's
1: hot everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And,
2: and I, I say that because... You can if you're if you're willing to do a remodel, you can pick up a lot. You know, some people just don't want to take the time to do a remodel or a rehab. It's
1: my favorite thing to do. Is it? <laughs> yeah, no. we hear a lot of good things about Detroit, and uh, or I have at least it can be if you're if you're willing to do a remodel. yes. yeah, a little difficult for out of state uh, investors I hear to to get in there, but still a great market it is yes i just wanted
0: to talk really quickly about some resources for listeners that you have uh who
2: are landlords okay. oh sure it's a it's a moving cost calculator oh wow. okay yeah what is that, yeah. that? it takes the guesswork of how much certified funds that your tenant is going to bring you when he comes to get the lease and the keys Everything is spelled out in plain numbers. And how are you
1: affiliated? Like, how are you, Are you affiliated with it, or is this is, is the? It's your just resource? something that I.
2: It's just something I created. I oh wow, you created, or it. created
1: it. it. Oh okay. Yeah,
2: it was something I needed. How can <laughs> people use it?
1: That's dope. It's it's
2: it's real simple. So today is the 16th. Say you're moving on the 16th. You write in the prorate days. Um, and then you write whatever the um, prorate amount is. And then if you have your cost of your utility, say water, um, that's prorated, you write that prorate amount and tally it up, include the security deposit, bam, at the bottle is your total amount that you need to provide me before I turn over the keys to you.
0: So how can people use this calculator?
2: Yeah. They can go to, they can click on the link if they go to my Instagram. It's Nichelle underscore BCG. Click on the link in the bio and they can download it from there. Awesome.
0: And she also sent the link over, so we'll make sure to put it in our show notes so our listeners can access it, access it there as well. Pretty awesome. cool. I, I kind of clicked around in it. I like it. I like it.
1: <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. i to check it out. Okay. <laughs> should I be nervous? Baby Jesus. Yes. You should be nervous. No, we just have three questions for you. Just to find out a little bit more about you uh, and some of your likes and dislikes and things like that. So I was going to switch it up a little bit. But one of the things that I think we all are into is just like music. So like, what's your, uh, what is your go-to music? Like, what's your go-to artist? or? or?
2: Uh, music is mood induced for me. Music is, music is life. <laughs> Um, music it, it, is it, life Music is life, but it is definitely mood induced. Um, if I'm anxious, we'll listen to some classical. We'll, you know we'll listen to some P- P- papa Andrea jelly.
1: Oh, that's her first
2: yeah if yeah. if you know if it's if it's nap time, you know we'll listen to a little uh Cree summers <laughs> really you know yeah so it, it's 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 all mood induced you know if if energy is high if I'm on the road it's, it's definitely earth wind and fire. Oh it, my gosh.
0: Since so you said Earth, Wind, and Fire, my sister just had a Zoom call <laughs> with them. She just sent that through. Like, I'm watching. She was like, You guys, I just had a Zoom call with Earth, Wind, and Fire. She sent pictures. Big deal. Shout out to
1: our <laughs> editor, Athena Media. Media. Yeah. Oh, awesome. she's
0: cool. She is. So I thought it was dope. <laughs> I mean, she sent it to her. She was like, Oh my God, you guys, I just had a. So that, now that you said that, I thought that would be something you would like to know. But it was cool. <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> a, a full Athena. circle moment yeah Girl, I it. their, my sister is our editor of the podcast so she's gonna hear this okay <laughs> shout mm-hmm. out to
1: Athens media right I love it all right so then tell us like classic uh, movies if you're into movies like this the classic movie that you just wouldn't pass up what's your thing
2: no matter how I, many times you've seen it pretty woman
1: oh that's what's all that Robert <laughs> yes yeah the class I love it
2: Yes, I wrote a paper yeah. on feminism about it when I was in undergrad. That's that's my jam.
1: <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah, that's one of that's one of my classics <laughs> as well. I would I would watch it over and over again. Uh, the The last question I'm going to ask, since you are, I'm going to steal this from Ebony. Since you are in into Instagram, do you been watching the verses? Yes. Did you watch the last verses with uh, Patty?
2: when it wasn't on hold or paused or whatever the malfunction was <laughs> who who do you think won
1: between Paty and Gladys
2: you know what that's that's no competition like that is actual musicianship
1: yeah that's yeah. Very
2: true you know like on every level that is musicianship like it's not even a competition because that's from beginning from sound to tone to timbre you know to Vocal capabilities, it's no competition, it's the same. That's no competition. But if I had to choose. There's this only is one r- right answer. This is real petty, but I choose Gladys because I can't eat a, a pie that came off a of assembly line.
1: Um, Whoa! That's Shade. a little petty. petty. It's, a
2: little it. it's a little petty, but you know. <laughs> Hold on, the good. patty pies—they're good. Yep. I'm just like, gonna have to take your word for it because it came off assembly line. Like never have one. Fire. And if you read the
0: ingredients, none of them say sweet potato. So no. See?
2: Okay. Like, <laughs> like I like oh. I said, it came off of assembly line. That's Y'all not about to fire. do <laughs> my <fave>. mm-hmm. thing,
0: <laughs> Miss Patty,
1: though. like that? Y'all not? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, thought you would have yeah. had
0: something to say about her, her shoes and her, her dancing and stuff like that.
2: Mm-mm, no, that's that's all normal for that for that age group. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the pies. It's the pies. It's the pies on
1: the assembly line. On the assembly line. Oh man, I think that's the <laughs> first one right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. the Michelle, I know you mentioned this before, but tell us where we can tell us for last time where we can find you. We can get that. Everybody reach out to you and make sure they get that calculator that I was trying to jump over. <laughs> <laughs>
2: they, can, they can definitely get it from Instagram. It's Nichelle, that's with an
1: N, underscore BCG. And awesome. the link is in the bio. I love it. Well, this has been a pleasure, Nichelle. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, ladies, for having this awesome platform. Bye. Bye. Bye.